peace of our Lord be with you. In the early days of the church, following Christ's ascension, Peter and the apostles continued Jesus' ministry among God's chosen people, preaching, healing, and even raising a woman from the dead. Among the many wondrous acts of God in the book of Acts, in the ears of a Baptist preacher's kid, the description of a church assembly meeting that we read earlier from the 11th chapter may be the most wondrous. Peter speaks loudly and boldly of how in a surprising change, God's spirit moved to include Gentiles. The theological steps he takes should shock and shake the cultural and religious foundations of its hearers. To include Gentiles so completely and unconditionally in the work of the Spirit requires they reinterpret and reevaluate their most sacred rites and daily diet. However, in what I can only see as a miraculous act of God, these leaders, these bearers of tradition, religion, and morality, do not plug their ears with bigoted conviction, but listen. They listen long enough to be silenced. And in that silence, the Spirit opens their minds to a new world of faith. One where Gentiles, like most of us, are included. Peter's speech is usually what jumps out to me from this passage. But in my most recent encounter, the speech felt kind of pedestrian. A passionate man, dreaming of bacon, <laughs> proclaims his belief that God's spirit moves in a new direction. His speech challenges the overall trajectory of their new and vulnerable community, moving away from the ancient rites and practices in which their faith was birthed. I mean, I get that. I'm a millennial I'm a youth pastor. I'm a father of a three-year-old. Whether you're 13, 30, or three, it's, it's pretty normal to run up against some restriction or structure that's in our way. A change we find so necessary that we're willing to forego the comforts of tradition and deconstruct our presuppositions in an effort to accommodate our new convictions, or, if necessary, scream ceaselessly, demanding that pair of special shoes that we've never seen, but we're sure mom and dad are hiding from us somewhere. <sighs> that one hurts. No, there will be sermons on the profound power of a speech, moments when the Spirit's words show up on our tongues, restructuring our loves, and re-energizing our hopes. But this sermon isn't about speaking loud enough to be heard. It's about listening long enough to be silenced. 
I've often heard people point to this old study that I couldn't find that, like, people's greatest fear is public speaking. And while I'll admit, there's a unique vulnerability in public speaking. Recently, I, I feel that public listening is more rare. In the exponential growth of media and social places where unlimited voices can find unlimited audience, people seem more and more comfortable speaking publicly, willing to offer conjectures on complex and sensitive issues at a moment's notice and in an unfiltered format with no context or relationship to frame the words we loose upon one another. People seem more and more willing to speak, share, post, and like things publicly and fearlessly. Peter doesn't surprise me today. However, listening like those early church leaders did, listening long enough to be silenced, that's rare. I think it's rare because it takes so much time. Technology has exponentially multiplied the number of voices we hear, but it hasn't added hours to the day for us to listen to them. I hope some of you can identify. Some of you down here, I believe, can. I was sitting in a tree when I realized how long it takes to listen. That's the kind of tree sitting where people, many of you perhaps, dress up like the tree you're sitting in. Maybe add a dash of deer urine for its attractive quality. And sit still and quiet for hours. Listening. See, when I first get in a tree, all I hear is emptiness. The absence of machines humming, engines running, and voices murmuring in the periphery. But when I step into that world apart and sit still, if I listen long enough, layer after layer of noise lifts off my ears and layer after layer of life rises up from the silence. When I get up in that tree enough times to practice listening long enough, I, I learn that, that October has a sound. And October sounds different than January or April. 5 a.m. sounds different than 5 p.m. And I don't have to open my eyes to know when the woods are about to wake up. Similarly, when we show up to listen to another person, it takes a while for the layers of our own opinions, experiences, and convictions to dissipate before we can begin to listen for the Spirit in someone else's words. That doesn't mean our voice doesn't matter. It means the other voice does matter. And if we want to listen to someone else, it requires time and vulnerability. And if this passage from Acts is our guide, even when we're confronted with contradictory experiences that challenge our basic assumptions about who we are 
We're called to listen. And listen long enough to be silenced. I know speaking takes courage. Speaking takes courage because it makes you accountable to your opinion and a target for criticism. But listening, real listening takes courage because it makes you accountable to someone else's opinion, to someone else's experience, and vulnerable to their critique. In some ways, public listening asks more of us than public speaking. I mean, just ask Horton, right? The elephant. And Dr. Seuss says, Horton, here's a who. You see, Horton is this elephant, and with his big old elephant ears, he hears a hoop, a small person, speaking loudly from a tiny speck. And if Horton had just heard the who, the book would have ended very undramatically with him doing other elephant things. He could have just shrugged it off and clopped through clover patches like elephants are expected to do. But after hearing the who, Horton listens to the who's in Whoville. And in listening to the people of that little speck, he becomes accountable to their tiny lives, placing them upon a clover and opening himself up to the conviction that he must protect them from the kangaroos and monkeys who couldn't hear their tiny cries. Listening takes courage. Because when you listen long enough to be silenced, the Spirit might speak to you and call you to change. Listening takes time and courage. Those things have long been true about listening. However, in at least one way, I think listening is more challenging now, in this time, in this moment in which we gather as a church and send you, our graduating seniors, out into the world. Because now we can hear more specks speaking than ever before in human history. Voices with conflicting and contradictory opinions about our most powerful and sensitive ideas surrounding religion, violence, sex, and identity. You see, I have this memory from when I was seven years old. On the day when we moved from Wake Forest, North Carolina, to the big city of Raleigh. And I was really excited about the move. The new house, new friends, new school, but, but I was also sad. And, and if I'm honest, I was a little scared of all the change that would come in this new world. And I remember standing on the porch of the parsonage where we lived, with a box of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures in my hands. And the sun was setting over the tobacco fields that surrounded our house as friends helped us load up the U-Haul. And I could easily see the church where my daddy had been the preacher just a quarter mile down the road. In that Granville County life, I could go from home to church to school, without hearing any voices that truly challenged what I thought about my faith, my identity, my morality, or the major generalizations 
that I made about others. But that world isn't a possibility for me anymore. Now I, I live surrounded by contradictory voices that stretch my mind and twist my soul in ways that really hurt some days. And even when I have this desire to truly listen long enough to the voices that pass through my ears, it's like there are just too many clovers crying out for attention for me to listen long enough to them all. And the temptation when overwhelmed by a field of clovers is to close up, close our fists around our convictions and end all challenging conversations. Believing that the time and risk that comes with listening just isn't worth it. My brothers, sisters, and graduating seniors, don't stop listening. I know that our ears aren't big enough to listen to everyone, nor are our arms long enough to embrace everyone. We are not called to accommodate every change in the wind, but whether we're church leaders, fraternity brothers, public officials, or just someone claiming Jesus out there in the world, whenever we want to use big and powerful words to talk about complex and sensitive subjects like religion, poverty, violence, and identity. When we speak loud enough to be heard, we are called to listen long enough to be silenced. Because if we have enough confidence to speak loud enough to be heard, we must have enough courage to listen long enough to be silenced. It's daunting, it's risky, but if we listen long enough to be silenced, we may hear the Spirit say something new. And while that word, that new word, may threaten the old way we thought and leave behind that world of assumptions and presuppositions that we comfortably grew up in, we believe that after the old things have passed away, we'll look and begin to see a new heaven and a new earth, a new hope and a new life in a holy city where the varied voices of conflict have united in a heavenly choir. We'll find that the God whose plan was bigger and broader than Abraham's sons is even larger and broader than Peter and Paul could imagine. The little and simple world I grew up in isn't the world my boys will grow up in and isn't the world you seniors are walking out into. But the Spirit invites us to listen so that we may build a new world where God, the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, will dwell with us. And lest God's new word go unheard, let us listen long enough to be silent.
Amen.